Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. We are in a season of breakthrough right now. And, uh, and, you know, I believe that when we push hard, and I preached on this a few weeks ago, and you can get the podcast, that when we push hard enough, when we make the decision to push hard, is when we've actually got our breakthrough. It's not the point when we see it, but it's when we make the decision to push hard enough. And, and for some of us tonight, the put, decision to push hard enough was to be here in this room tonight. So give yourselves another round of applause. Take your seat and say hello to someone. Thank you, Ben, tonight. How amazing were these guys tonight? Anyone would think they didn't really do an amazing job, right? How amazing were these guys tonight? Come on. It's a hard thing to do. Um, Believe it or not, uh, if you hear me sing down the front row or at youth or anywhere else, you'll know uh, I don't have the best voice. In fact, I often like to sing in what's called a harmony, and it's, it's not, not really a melody and stuff. I did have a season as a worship leader in youth at one stage, because there was no one else. And uh, people kept saying, yeah, you did great, but I knew I didn't. It's a hard job. It's a hard thing to do. So uh, thank you so much, Beck, tonight for leading us in worship. And thank you for the rest of the team for such an amazing job that you did. I know how hard it is, and uh, I really appreciate what you led us through tonight. So thank you so much for that. You know, uh, this morning we heard an amazing message from our, from our pastor, our, our lead pastor, Pastor Ed, uh, on breakthrough and, and uh, looking at our own hearts. And, and I, I believe you mentioned it just before that, uh, you know, we've, we've got to work out breakthrough in our hearts before we have breakthrough out there. And that often it's the things that are inside of us, the things that we've let into creep into us that actually stop us from seeing our breakthrough. And tonight I'm going to continue in that thought and I'm going to talk about some of the things that maybe we let sink into our thinking that stop us from being able to move forward and be able to see God do incredible things for our lives. Because whether you're here for the first time, this is your first time you've ever stepped into a church or you've been here uh, since, uh, uh, you know, since you, know, you were young and you had great hair and you had all the girls or all the boys chasing after you, uh, no matter how long you've been in church, God's got something new to speak to you and God wants to see you break through and God doesn't want us to stay where we are. And I believe that tonight there's, there's every possibility that everyone in this room will walk out of here changed. They'll walk out of here with a new perspective and something new in their lives that they can take home and they can put into place this week and see God work in wonderful and amazing ways. So whether you're here for the first time or you've been here for that long, I believe you're here for a purpose, uh, that God wants to speak to you tonight, and God will speak to you tonight. And, uh, you know, we can't expect our breakthrough if we don't break through in here. So I think, uh, and when I say in here, it's in the thoughts, it's in what we call the heart, our feelings, it's in our soul, it's in, in every area of our lives that involves us is where our breakthrough comes from. It's not very often that our breakthrough comes from outside. My wife, and I've been married for almost four, I mean, almost four or five years now. I'll have to check with her later uh, and work that one out. I think it's four, something like that. Anyway, um, you know, I can't expect that my breakthrough is going to come through her. I can't expect that change in my life is going to come through my wife. She can speak into my life, but at the end of the day, I need to step up and I need to do something about it. If I've got a condition in my heart that's not quite right, maybe it might be the way I think about my, myself as a husband. Maybe it might be the way I think of her as a wife. Maybe it might be the way I think of my, my 10-month-old child or, or the child that's still being knit in the womb that's going to be here soon and my thinking and maybe I get stressed and anxious about any of those things, anxious about my work. It's not someone else that's going to change that. It's going to be me who changes that in my life. And that's the same thing that each and every one of us need, need to grasp, that if there's something in our lives, it's us that can change, but sometimes it's hard to change, am I right? 
it's very hard to change. And so tonight I want to speak about uh, um, a few things that maybe you didn't, had never thought about in this situation. And I'm going to talk about expectations. Have you ever put an expectation on yourself or on others? Yes, I have. Uh, but I believe that sometimes our expectations lead us astray and we need, to, uh, we need to bring those back to God and really focus on what God calls us to do. So I want to read tonight from Matthew 16, uh, 13 to 23. It should be on the screen behind me. And, and the title of this section in, in Scripture is called Peter Declares That Jesus Is the Messiah. And you may have read this before. It says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do, you say, uh, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then he continues and he says, But what, do you, what about you? So he's asking the 12 that are that he's closest 12 right there in that moment. He's saying, who do you say that I am? And, and I thought this, is my, this could be a weird question to ask someone, but I think many of us walk around asking all the time, who do you say that I am? I see it on Instagram. We put photos up and we want to we wanna know who other people say we are by the number of likes we get. We want to know who people say we are by how they interact with us, by what they say about the clothes we wear, the things we say. So it's not even that weird that Jesus is asking this. And he says, says Simon Peter... He answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. What a revelation. What an amazing thing to say. Who would think to ever say that to anyone? And Jesus here, he says, Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by the Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. See, his name was Simon a second ago, and Simon means read. Simon means something that sways in the wind, something that hasn't really made a decision yet. And he said, calls him Peter, which in, uh, in the language of the Bible, in, in, in Hebrew, in Greek, and all those, it translates as rock. So he's saying, you, you, are, you were a reed a second ago, but now you're a rock. And he says, uh, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or hell, will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What an amazing thing to be told. What an amazing promise that God says, your name has now changed. Your circumstances of bouncing back and forwards has now been changed to a rock. What an amazing promise to be said, like, I'm going to build my church on this revelation you just had. I, I, I would see Peter, he's there going, yes, I've just won brownie points. I've just aced this. I don't need to go to any more of Jesus' classes. I can just walk about going, I'm... I'm the man, right? That's what Peter's maybe thinking in his mind at that moment. And then it says that Jesus said, then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Then it moves on in the story, right? And often in the Bible, it says the next day or sometime later. But right now, it doesn't say any of those things. It says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. So in other words, from that moment onwards, I imagine in that moment, exactly then as, uh, as Peter said those words, uh, and as Peter came to that revelation and he's hyped up, he's ready, he's excited, he's like, there's a promise for me now. And right then and there, Jesus shares that he's going to be killed. And this is what Peter does to Jesus. He says, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord. And that, that word never translates, it actually is like we say never and we think, oh, it's not really that bad. It actually says never, no, never. It's two negatives in one. It's like it's saying, like, that's never going to happen. That's not going to happen on my watch. There's no way that's ever, 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 ever going to happen. He's saying, never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. And it says, Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human 
concerns. How does a guy go from brownie points, if anything could ever be called brownie points, to get behind me, Satan, we never want to hear that, right? How does that happen in a matter of moments? How does it go from a guy, I'm now promised, Jesus is promising him that the church is going to be built through that revelation to a guy like, get behind me, Satan. It seems like the complete opposite. It's like if there was ever a day in Peter's life where he thought, I got it right, and then I got it wrong, it was right there. It was that day. And, and, and if you're like me, if you're anything like me, you've been to that place in your life, right? Where, where sometimes you'll say something and you know you're getting it right, and then something else slips out straight away, and it's like, oh, why did I say that? <laughs> like, I really appreciate uh, uh, people that are vegan and everything like that, but I know, like, in the past... This is me admitting my faults, right, as a pastor. I know in the past when, when I've been parts of dinner parties and stuff, it's like I'm talking about food and I'm so enthusiastic about what I eat and everything like that. And I'm like, oh, but vegans wouldn't eat that. And it's like all of a sudden the people that were enthusiastic with me are like, oh, here we go. He's picking on me again, right? And it's like I feel like that there's that moment where you go from I'm in everyone's good graces to, uh-oh, now I'm in trouble, right? And my wife's looking at me across the room going, oh, did he really go there again? And she's like, she's like going, and of course I can't help myself but go further and then I spend the whole night thinking, oh, why did I say that? <laughs> Have you ever experienced a situation like that? Yeah. I experience it oh, all the yeah. time. So tonight I've called this message Promise Before Expectation. Yeah. God, I just thank you for this message tonight, Lord. I thank you that our hearts are ready to hear from you, Lord. I thank you that as I, as I preach this, Lord, I know that it's been uh, evident in my life, even just recently, how you've, uh, how you've sent me through this, God. And I know that it's powerful. And I know that you're speaking to people in this room right now. And I know that it's your spirit that does, does mighty works inside each of us, Lord. And as we look at our promise and as we look at our expectations, may it line up with your word and your word only in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 I went away on a holiday last Sunday, and uh, we were up at Fraser Island, and we went across to Kingfisher Bay Resort, and we had a great time, spent way too much money on food. We didn't see any dingoes at all. Everyone talks about the dingoes you're going to see, and Michaela's walking around with a dingo stick because they're like, dingoes actually will come and attack your babies, and, and you know, we're walking around with this stick, and, but we didn't see any single dingo at all, but we had a really good time. We, got, we had a chance to, to, you know, just to sort of relax, to eat, and then relax, and then eat more, and then relax and eat more, and, and look at our bank accounts afterwards and go, oh, did we really spend that much on money? Oh, no, not that much on money, all that much on food. But uh, we came back, and as is so often with any holiday you go on, who, who knows that uh, the return trip home always seems quicker than the trip getting there? Yeah. Why is that so? I thought, I was thinking to myself, like, we drove up there, and it seemed to take forever. It's like, oh, and I know it's only a two and a half hour trip. Yeah. And I know what two and a half hours is like. And if I was doing something I wanted to do, that two and a half hours would be gone like that, right? Yeah. But you're like sitting there going, oh, this is taking forever. And then you get there an hour early and you're waiting for the ferry and it takes forever. And then the 500 meter drive on the bus to get onto the ferry seems to take forever. Mm-hmm. And, but then on the way back, it's like you get off the ferry, you're on the bus. All of a sudden, you're in Maryborough. All of a sudden, you're, you're back in, uh, you're driving through Gympie. And then all of a sudden, you're back in Nambour. And you're like, how did we get home? so quickly. And so I was looking at it and I was thinking, there's got to be something in this that I can preach. And it's what I'm preaching tonight. So here we go. It's just a week. It's a, it's a week new to me, this is. And, uh, and I looked into this idea of, of the, what they call the return trip effect. And they present two theories here. These are the two theories that scientists are still grappling with. They haven't found a 100% answer, but they say familiarity versus expectation. The, the idea that uh, the trip is so familiar on the way back that we know where we're going so we don't really care, or the idea that we're expecting to get home, or the fact that we expected things to take so long in the first place that they actually pleasantly surprise us when we get home 
earlier. And so they did three tests in this. The first one it was just to say, to ask if everyone experienced this. So they, they put uh, about 87 people on a bus and they took them to a, to a carnival for a day. It all revolves around carnivals. I don't know, maybe they're, they're in a state in America where there was a lot of carnivals happening at the time of the test. They took them all there and they spent their day there and they went back on, the, on, on a couple of different buses and when they got back they were asked, what did, you exp- what did you think the time was to get there versus the time to get back? And uh, they weren't allowed to see their watches when they left. They weren't allowed. They had to leave it in the luggage compartments. They weren't aware of what time it was. And they, uh, 10 minutes before, 10 minutes after approximately, they were kept without knowing what time it was. And they actually said that it was seven minutes quicker on the way back. But in fact, uh, when they measured the trip, it was actually a few minutes longer due to the traffic leaving the carnival and so on and so on. So they thought, okay, so everyone experiences this like return trip effect. So they did a second test, and this is where they said, okay, we're going to get smart with this, and we're going to see if familiarity really plays a big role in this. And they got them on uh, separate different buses, and they said, let's expand it a bit, and they went to about 110 people. They put them on these buses, on different buses, and they all went the same way to this carnival event. But then on the way back, they all went different ways. They were very similar in length, and still they asked the question at the end, okay, uh, what happened? What, was, what happened in this trip? And they all, again, experienced the return trip effect. And they said, well, it can't necessarily be all about familiarity because two of the buses went a different way than they came and they still experienced the same thing. They still estimated about the same time. So then they started looking at this idea of expectation. And this is where I kind of went in. And, and if, you, if you know anything about me, I love research. I love uh, science stuff. I love experience like looking into experiments and finding out the reason why everything works. And, you know, if I don't know it and uh, you ask me a question, I'm going to write it down. I'm going to find out on, on, on Dr. Google tonight and I'm going to get back to you because that's who I am as a person. So I, I, I came in really close at that point and I looked at the third study that they did. And instead of being in buses, they did it in lab conditions. So that means that they did it completely where, like, there was no, nothing that could go wrong. So they actually had them sitting there watching the footage of a bus. I can't think of anything more boring than actually watching, like pretending that you're inside a bus and watching where you're going. But they did this and they, they widened the group to about 150 people and they put people in all different rooms and some of them, uh, came, they went on the trip and they came back at, uh, at exactly the same way they went, that familiarity again. There was others that went on the trip and came back of all different routes. But what they did is they made sure that it was down to the second accurate so that every single trip took exactly the same time. So they couldn't say, they made sure they did all, they thought of everything. They said some of the buses did stop at red traffic lights and stuff, but they still made it exactly the amount of time and the same effect took place. But what they did in this study is one of the groups, they actually told them that the trip to the the fair was going to be a lot longer than it was. And they actually reported on the way back that the trip was longer on the way back than it was too because of their expectations because they, they had an easier ride than they thought, so on the way back they came back, well, this ride's going to be easier than we thought, and therefore it was longer. And this is the conclusion that they came to, and this is where I'm preaching from tonight. They say that the return trip effect is most likely due to the violation of our expectations. Most likely due to the violation of our expectations. Have your expectations ever been violated? Have you ever received something less or more than you expected? 
Have you ever, like me, on my, my 21st birthday, I sat there and I, I made sure to invite everyone I could because I wanted to get as many presents as I could and I thought, this is going to be great. And then so many of these people turned up that didn't give me anything. And I walked away going, how could 150 people at my party give me only that? And my expectations, I mean, I've learned a lot since then, right? I'm not out to, to get money and stuff anymore. I was 21, I was kind of naive. And, but you know, have your expectations ever been... Uh, have you ever experienced something less or more than what you expected? Have you ever expected a certain outcome to have your expectations completely shattered? Have you ever expected something of someone that maybe you've communicated well or maybe you haven't communicated well, but had your expectations let down? Maybe occasionally you've expected the worst and actually been treated with a pleasant surprise. But have you ever had your expectations violated? Whenever it was, you, you kind of know what I'm talking about. You probably experienced this uh, violation of your expectations and you're wondering right now, how does this have to do with anything to do with breakthrough? It'll all make sense in just a moment because we're going to go back and look at the, the scripture and then we're going to move forward and we're going to see what happened uh, in Peter's life and, and how these expectations actually led to amazing promise. But it's because he didn't give in to the expectations that he placed on himself, but rather saw God's promise above it. And that's why I call this message Promise Before Expectations. And we see in, in this moment with Peter, I see two encounters with Jesus, possibly, quite possibly within the couple of hours of each other, where his expectations have been violated twice. In the moment one, he, uh, Jesus says to him, who do you say I am? And he says, the Messiah. And Jesus is like, whoa, man, you just got... The one question that man was never supposed to understand, you got that question right. You're the man that was so profound. He's probably sitting there going, really, Jesus? Was it really that hard? And he goes, yes. And you see, his expectations are violated because he's maybe expecting that his answer is not going to be good because the other disciples had already given answers that it, Jesus had said, well, who do you use? Like, he asked the question again. And if someone asks the question again, it's usually because the first answers weren't correct. So his expectations have been violated in a good way. Not a, not a few moments later, it's like, I'm going to be killed, Peter. And Peter goes, well, Simon, sorry, at the time. And Simon goes, no, never, never on my watch is that going to happen. Get behind me, Satan. Was it really that bad? Yes, it was. And people say, well, why would Jesus go to that extent? Well, the very thing that Jesus came to do was die on the cross from the very beginning so that we would be set free. That was the plan from the very beginning. And now there's someone stepping out trying to stop that. Of course it is, don't stop me from doing what I've got to do, Satan. It wasn't that, uh, that, that Peter was such a bad guy. It was a, it was a moment when Jesus was kind of like, no, this is what I've got to do. Don't even tempt me to say that I'll never, ever have to go through with this. And so in two moments, his uh, expectations have been violated. Can you imagine what is going on? No one on earth could have got that question. And the second time around, he's like, duh, I shouldn't have said that. Like, you know what I said before about the times when I, I did that with the vegans and stuff like that? Like, do you, do you get what I'm saying? Do you see the, the, the point I'm making? And, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, what would Peter be thinking in his mind? What would he be kind of, kind of going over in his heart, in his soul, as he goes, how did I go from so high to so low? Why did I make this mistake? Why, if, if God really said that he's going to build my church on what I just said and on me, who am now called the rock, why only moments later did I throw that rock out the window and become Reed again? Why? Can Jesus really do what he said? Or have I just walked away from every breakthrough I was ever going to have in my life wow. because I let Jesus down? Because in man's eyes, I don't look like I have faith. I can imagine it. 
you know, so quickly we, uh, we, we, we think, well, of course Simon was like that because he was called Reed and we, we see all these other times in his life like when he walked on water and he was so enthusiastic about it and he was the only man other than Jesus to walk on water and then he fell down and we're like, yeah, because Peter doubted. We see these other times where he you know, jumps to this conclusion, like he sees children and, and with the other disciples he tells the children to go away and Jesus says, no, no, bring these little ones towards me. And you know, he's made these mistakes over and over again. That's just, that's just Simon. But if I was with Jesus, I definitely wouldn't make those mistakes, right? <laughs> Wrong. Simon is us, really, at the center, at the end of it all. So much of us that I would even suggest that sometimes on a daily basis I go from Simon, or sorry, I go from Peter to Simon and back to Peter again, right? And I'm here to tell you that not because I want you to feel sorry for me, but so that you would know that when you go from Peter to Simon to Peter to Simon, that it's actually okay to be like that. It's actually okay to walk around and to sometimes be a little bit shifty, but you're still called to be a rock. You're still called to do things amazingly for God. It doesn't change the promise that God gives for you. And you see, uh, there's a promise in our lives. There's a promise in my life that God's given me when I was 15 years of age and I could not speak and I could not like really even talk to anyone. And I know you've heard this before. Some of you have heard this before. Uh, and, and you know, there was a promise that God gets said. He said, he showed me a pastor at a conference and he said, you're going to be speaking like them. And I went, no way. But you know, God sees that promise through. And so I'm given a promise and, I, and I've seen some of it come. I've seen some of what God's given me. I've seen some of what God's shown me. You know, my, my parents, when I was younger, they said, you can be and do whatever you want to do. And I've seen some of that promise come about, right? So it's not just if God speaks to you. I mean, you may have never had God speak to you ever in your life, but people have said, this is what you promised. Like, it could be in marriage. It could be with your kids. It could be in your finances. Someone has promised something. But then there's something inside of us that when we don't see it, we fall down and we take it into what we expect to see. And all of a sudden, it falls apart and we wonder, why has that not come about? Why, why I'm so bad in what I do, I'm so broken, I'm so, uh, you know, I'm so up and down. How would that promise ever come about in my life? And so I sit there and I say, I shouldn't be here. If I was called to minister, I wouldn't be lying in my bed crying, wondering whether I'm even going to get out of bed today. I, if, I was, uh, if, if it really was a promise, why am I so broken, God? And then I'm sitting there going, well, I've got to preach this Sunday night. And see, that makes it real that even just this week, I went through a moment of breaking point, right? The preacher preaches it several weeks ago, and he goes through that breaking point. But I'm here and I'm standing because the promise is greater than the expectation. The promise is greater than the expectations I place on myself. And you see, we face these things in marriage. Death do us apart. That's the promise. You know, that death do us apart, that once we get married, life is going to be really, really, really good and things are going to go great. And all of a sudden, we have a partner to speak to about every single thing. But then after five years, uh, death do us apart seems like too long. That's a joke. You can laugh at that one, right? I'm not saying that about my own marriage. I love my wife so much and I love her every day. But that is the reality for some people, right? Because all of a sudden what we expected to be so amazing and by five years, ten years, twenty years and we expected to know it all, but all of a sudden we lose sight of the promise and our expectations have been violated and we're sitting there going, what's happened? Why am I not living up to what we said we'd do five, ten, fifteen, twenty years ago? Maybe it's with your kids and you taught them uh, the word of the Bible, you, you, you did not spare the rod. There's another time you can laugh. There's one or two laughs there. The Bible tells us not to spare the rod. And 
You can look that up for yourselves. But maybe you did everything the Bible told you to do. You did everything every bit of advice told you to do. You know, you watched the morning shows, you watched TV, you read every single book, and now your kids are out there messing their lives up at the age of 17 or 18, 19, even into their 20s, and you're going, well, there was a promise. Why have I, as a person, failed my expectations? Maybe it's in your church. Let's get real here. Each of us walked into a new church at one stage. Pastor Ed started this church, so he even walked into this as a new church. And maybe we, we were greeted at the front door in the car park, and we thought, this is the church for us. We're so excited to be here. These guys are so friendly. They're so awesome. They're so amazing. I can't wait to be a part of the team. I can't wait to get involved. And then three months later, you're on team, or six months later, you're on team, and someone else on the team offends you by what they say or what they do. Or maybe a leader expects something of you, or maybe doesn't expect something of you, but you think they expect that of you. And all of a sudden, you're saying, oh, this church is just like the last church. And you had a promise of, this is the best church I've ever walked into. But because it doesn't end up as our expectations thought it would, we lose sight of the promise, and we get caught up in this mental thinking of, why am I here again? Why am I thinking what I'm thinking? You can apply this to work. You can apply this to your walk with God. You got saved. It was the best moment of your life. You've been walking with God for so many years. Maybe it's two years. Maybe it's 10. Maybe it's 20. And you thought, by now, I would know all the answers. By now, if I got hit by a struggle of someone in the family dying or I got hit by a financial struggle, I should be able to say, no, Jesus, no, never will I walk away from you. But for some reason, you get hit by that. And you're struggling inside and the only thought you have is, why am I here? Why am I thinking like this? Does the promise even exist? And you see, because there's a gap between the promise and expectation, a violation of expectations. And I think one of the reasons why we face this, not the only reason, but one of the reasons I think it's worth picking it up because it's what Peter did here so many times, is this use of the word never. Or, on the opposite side, the use of the word always. Because, you see, when we use the word never or we use the word always, we cannot be kept to that word. I could never, ever, ever, ever say to my wife (laughs) that I will never disappoint you or that I will always be there every single time that you struggle because who knows that sometimes as a man I don't see those things. There's no way that I can say never or always and actually mean it. But for some reason in our lives when it comes to these important things, we say, no, I will never do that. Or I will always do this. And when all of a sudden we're not always doing that or we're not never doing that, it's like, who am I? What have I done? And your expectation leads you away from the promise, the promise that you put on yourself almost of never and always that you can't live up to. Because there's a promise that you can live up to. And that's God's promise. And you know, the reverse is opposite of God. When he says never, it is never. When he says always, it is always. You see, for him, for God, never is always never, and always is always always. For us, it's not like that. For us, we become more susceptible to pain, more susceptible to hurt when we place this expectation of never and always. But I'm here to tell you tonight that Jesus does say never to many things, and I'm going to read these out now, and you're going to have to get behind me because these things are so amazing, and it takes so much of my life to understand this, and and we need to praise God for this right now. It says, I will never leave or forsake you. If Jesus says never, then never is never. Everyone who believes in me will never die. How good is that? Never means never. I will give you eternal life, and you will never perish. 
I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. See, the promise for Peter still stood. No matter what he did, no matter what he said, the promise still stood. And in just a moment, we're going to read where that promise really came through and, and what I believe is the biggest breakthrough that the world has ever seen. And, uh, but before I say that, let's not trap ourselves into our own versions of always and never. Instead, let's leave God to make that distinction for us. That he'll never leave and he'll never forsake us. That we will never have to die if we stay within, within uh, with believing that we know who God is. It doesn't say like we're not going to, you know, it doesn't say you have to do every single thing every single day right. You have to be the best person on earth. You have to be good in yourself and then you will never die. It says you have to believe in him and you'll never die. So the expectation that God places on us is to believe in him and to walk with him. Not to never, 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 never fail, but just to walk with him. Let's let God's version of never or always be the version that we follow, not our own. Bit of advice. And you see, that's not the only good news tonight. And you see, this is what I think the best news is of this whole night and why I preach this message, because we're about to see how this ends up in breakthrough for him and it can end up with breakthrough in your life. And I just want to say this, and I'm going to repeat it. It says, I'm going to write... This is something that came to me even this afternoon as I was preparing. This came to me an hour and a half ago, two and a half hours ago now, sorry. And, and, and it hit my heart and I was like, I have to share this. And it's God's promise never meets our expectations. It always exceeds our expectations. Wow, that's so you see, God's promise never meets our expectations of what we thought it would be. It always exceeds it. Yeah. You might be saying, well, I don't see exceeded promises in my life. It's just because you haven't got to that point yet. Because like Peter, you're up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down, but that's okay because that breakthrough, that promise is coming. You're exactly where God needs you to be tonight. For one, you're exactly in the room where you need to be to seek after God's kingdom tonight, to hear a message that will hopefully touch your heart. You're ex- no, God doesn't want anything more, anything less than you, than your heart. And he can work with that and he can take it further. Don't let the violation of your expectations make you question where you are or who you are. Failure doesn't cancel your calling. Failure doesn't cancel his promise. Stumbling doesn't shift what God wants to do in your life. Your circumstance today is not your end and it's not your beginning. It's just somewhere along that line towards where God wants to take you and break through into an incredible life. And he wants us to know that in our thoughts... Sometimes we're thinking expectations on ourselves. We're thinking things that God might say or might want you know, against us. But God wants to tell you tonight that, no, he loves you and he wants to see you prosper. And yes, there may be things in your life that you may have to shift and move out of the road, but he's there with you in that. And that he doesn't, he doesn't walk away from you when, when you're struggling. He doesn't walk away from you when you do what Peter did and you, and you say something so bad, it's like Satan, get behind me. And Peter, he, Jesus did not just say, Peter, go away, I don't want to see you again. He kept Peter with him close. He took Peter, one of three guys, up to, the, to, to a mountaintop where God came down and it's called the Mount of Transfiguration. And he took three guys only. And Peter was one of these guys. And again, Peter opened his mouth and said something he shouldn't have. But he was still in God's good graces. He was still in Jesus' like, main man, his main team, right? Because our expectations, what we think we should be, who we think we should be, can, can tell us that we're not in God's good graces. It can tell us that we're not planted in the place we need to be. But God right now has got you right where he needs you. Just because Peter heard those words 
doesn't mean it cancelled Jesus' promise. But it also didn't mean that he didn't fail and fail and fail and fail and fail and fail again and again and again and again. Sometimes we get trapped in, well, I've heard that before, like, I've heard that before and I haven't changed, so I'm never going to change. Happens with me and my wife all the time. She pulls me up on something. And I sit there and I think to myself, she's told me this before, why have I not changed something? But at the end of the day, I've got to say, well, I'm on a journey and there's a promise till death do us apart. And that promise is greater than the expectations I've placed on myself. And you see, everything that happened to Peter in his life, everything that's happened to me in my life, everything that's happened to you in your life that's up and down, Simon Peter, Simon Peter, it all leads to an amazing thing that God wants to do in your life. And I'm going to show you right now what Peter accomplished in his life through the power of Jesus. It says that at Jesus' death that Peter made that statement again, no, never will I leave you, no, never will I walk away. We all know that that, that doesn't work out for him. He, three times it proves that he, that, he, uh, that he turns away and he says something bad about God and, and he walks away and he even becomes a fisherman again after Jesus' death. But Jesus still reveals himself to Peter. Jesus still comes back and says, you've got another chance. And then we get all the way through to 50 days later and it's a moment in time that we're about to approach in a few weeks' time. It's the day of Pentecost. And I say this right now that that's the biggest breakthrough the earth ever saw was the week of Pentecost, the day of Pentecost. Because when God's Spirit no longer resided on one or two men, it no longer had to walk around with, uh, with just Jesus healing people, but it now resides in each and every one of us. And you see, Peter wasn't left out of that moment. Because of all his failings, his up and downs, he actually was the perfect person to walk out in that moment. He was the perfect person to bring God's plan about for earth. He was the perfect person to bring breakthrough. Because in his failing, there's no way that you can say it was Peter's efforts that did it. It was all Jesus through him. And tonight, God wants you to know that it's not your efforts that bring about breakthrough for anyone else's life. It's not your efforts that will eventually see you come to heaven, eventually see you uh, see that breakthrough in your life. It's not your efforts. Yes, you do have to step out and do things, but it's not those efforts that will get there. It's Jesus' goodness. It's Jesus' power. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that can and does reside inside of you once you've made Jesus your Lord and Saviour. And it says this in Acts 2, chapter 1, uh, chapter 2, sorry, 1 to 6. It says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw that what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came on to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each of them heard their own language being spoken. We skip down to verse 13. It says, Some, however, made fun of them and said, have, They have had too much wine. Then Peter... Simon, the reed, but also the rock, stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. And I challenge you, read through that and see what was said there. But what he did is he explained the power that Jesus had come to save, to resurrect, to, to do incredible things in all of our lives. And it says there in Acts 2, 40 to 41, Several verses now. It says, With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Simon Peter is the preacher at the day of Pentecost. He's the man who gets up, and hey, 
On this, I will build my church on this rock. That's the day the church was born. Peter, your promise was not forfeit because of the mistakes you made. Your promise was not forfeit because of the expectations you placed on yourself. Your promise was not forfeit because of the expectations that other people placed on you. Your promise was always happening because Jesus spoke it. And Jesus is always our always and He's never as a never. And tonight, I look out at, at, a, at a, an amazing group of people. Some of us may be walking around with thoughts in our minds telling us we can't do anything, we can't move forward. But I look and I see and I know that the Spirit of God can and will work through your life. And so I don't see the broken. I see the reed that's waiting to become the rock or the reed that is the rock but doesn't understand it's a rock. I see people that are here in this place right now and you're not perfect and you're exactly the same as me. You're exactly the same as each of these guys up here, not perfect. But that doesn't matter in God's eyes because God wants to use you to break through, to, to, to jump out of a ceiling in your life, to move forward for the sake of your family, to move forward for the sake of your church, to move forward for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. And what it's about is saying, well, I am not going to live to my own expectations, but I'm going to live to the promise. God's promise is if you believe in me and you accept me into your life then you'll be saved you'll see eternity that you won't die that there will be miracle after miracle he said that the power of the Holy Spirit that has come inside of us is actually greater than what Jesus did there's an always for you the power that walks inside of you every moment of every day even when you're sinning even when you're doubting no matter what you're doing the power of the Holy Spirit resides inside of us that's an always God wants to say the expectations you've placed in yourself. They don't cancel out your promise. Your promise is greater. Your promise comes well before the expectations. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.